Amen. 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 Why don't you give the Lord one more shout as you sit down. Welcome to City Light. My name is Nate, one of the pastors here. Uh, there's a connect card on your seat. Please fill that out if you're new. A couple of things real quick before we jump in. Uh, on September 18th is our three-year anniversary, Woo! which is crazy. It feels like it could be our 30-year anniversary sometimes. You're like, man, sometimes the Lord's done an awful lot in three years, um, and so really thankful. It's a wonderful thing. We have been trying to sort through stories. You know, we, we want to communicate everything God has done, and we're like, look at all this stuff we have to leave out just so the service doesn't run 10 hours, you know, <laughs> or like we're cutting everything left and right. We're like, well, we only have a limited time, so it's been so encouraging to me. The Lord's done so much, it's impossible uh, to even to say it all and to communicate it all in one simple service. But on that day, we will be doing baptisms, and so if you uh, need to get baptized, if you come to Christ recently, you haven't been baptized yet, or if you've been a follower of Jesus and you haven't taken that step in your life for whatever reason, we would love to help you with that and to baptize you on the 18th. So you can email me or reach out to one of our staff members. We'd be happy to walk you through that process. Also, uh, on the 18th, like I said, we are sharing stories about what God has done within the church and through the church and the community. Uh, and so if there's something that we might not know about that happened in your life or some way you've been encouraged through what God has done here or in the community or a way he's used your life and whatever it might be, if you feel like you have something uh, that we'd like to let people know about or share and encourage, uh, please let us know. That's true all the time. We would love to tell stories up here every week. Um, but if on the 18th, so please let us know. Let me, great, anybody on staff um, you could you could email you could email us and let us know you could DM us on Instagram. Uh, we would love to hear your stories about how God's been working uh, and maybe have the opportunity to share those within the church. Also, last week we talked about our fish tank initiative. All right, so now we launched our fish tank initiative, which is our effort to help you become what God has intended you to be, a fisher of men. Uh, we want to catalyze the dreams and ambitions that God has put in your heart for his glory and his name. And so we're going to do that together. So remember, there's a form you can fill out. Send us your idea. Send us the thing you would like to do. We've already had some great ideas. I'll give you an example if somebody wants to do like a block party for kids once a month in their apartment complex. So it's great. So they have a certain budget for that. Here's what we need to do to accomplish that. That's a simple but wonderful way to reach your neighborhood or to do something intentional for Jesus uh, with the spheres of influence you've been given. So uh, there's been other examples. We already have several turned in, but that's a good one, I think, just to get your mind going some more as to what can I do in my neighborhood? Is there an area of brokenness uh, that the Lord has called me to? Is there something I can do to reach a specific demographic of people or anything particular uh, that the Lord might have prompted in your heart? Uh, send that in, and we'd love to talk to you more about how to catalyze that for you. Uh, today, we finish our series called Stretched, How to Move Into Your Calling by Moving Out of Your Comfort Zone. The final message is simply entitled, Why Not? Why Not? Turn to your neighbor say, Why Not? Okay? Say, Why Not? Why Not? Why Not? Today, so we've spent the last couple of weeks challenging some conviction about how what following Jesus is actually supposed to look like. Hopefully some encouragement, and last week some dreaming about what God could do, some possibilities. Remember, the people of God are a people of possibilities. That's what it means. We're a people of expectation, a people of hope, a people of possibilities. Anything can happen. With God, nothing is impossible. And so we live as a people full of hope, a people full of possibilities. We will not be limited uh, by the things the world says would limit us. And today, I want to help you overcome any final insecurities or things that might be getting in the way of you taking that step to obey what God has put in your heart. 
Remember, the whole concept of this series, remember, is that God wants to stretch you, and as he stretches you, he reveals, and more is revealed about who you are, how you were intended to live, what your purpose in life is. And the more that you allow God to stretch you, to pull you, the more that you step into places of risk that require faith, that make you uncomfortable, the more that you follow the Bible in every aspect of it, the more that you repent of sin, the more that these things are happening, which require stretching, actually, right, it feels like it might be hard, but it's widening you, it's making you more what you intended to be. And so we want to keep reminding you of that to say, in the stretching is the revealing of who God has made you to be. It is a good thing to be stretched. It is a good thing to walk in faith. It is a good thing to be uncomfortable for Jesus. It is a good thing to have awkward conversations for Jesus. It is a good thing to sacrifice and be uh, without things that you would like for Jesus. These are good things. It's a good thing to repent of your sins with people you know. Bring it to light and let the Lord change you. These are good things. All these things that we are naturally afraid of, this whole series is intended to put us into them to say, don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of that. Let the Lord stretch you. Let the Lord use you in that life. And the more you let him stretch you, the more will be revealed about who you are, what you're intended to be. Uh, so today I want to help you with this. Why not? And once again, as you're here, if you're here and you're just seeking these things out, you're new to Christianity, whatever it might be, I'm so, so glad you're here. I hope, as we've said the last few weeks, you realize God's intended purpose for your life. And I know that you know that you feel some kind of ceiling on your joy, on your fulfillment, on your life. And the reason is because you're capping out at what you can do for yourself, what others can do for you. When you're intended, when God has made you to live for him, God has made you to be satisfied in him, when God has made you to make an impact for him. So there will always be a ceiling on your life until you follow Jesus. And the Lord's calling you into that this morning through putting your faith in his life, death, and resurrection for your sins. I want your ears to be open to how God might be speaking to you in that way and how God wants to use your life. Your life matters. Your life is significant. It has value, worth, dignity. The Lord wants to use it for great things. That's true for every human being that's ever lived. And I want every single one of us to access that with confidence, with joy, with excitement about how God wants to use your life. So why not? Uh, we often say around here that you are a bucket, not a pipe. What God does in you, he wants to do through you. And if we just take in what God is doing in us without letting it go through us, it's like water sitting in a bucket. Eventually it goes stale. Eventually it's bad. The freshest water is running water. It's the creek water. It's the river water. That's the freshest water. But so often in our lives we receive, we get more information, we ingest a lot of Christianity, a lot of whatever, uh, a lot of sermons, a lot of Bible studies. We ingest, but we don't release and what we think is a good thing coming in, if it doesn't get released, eventually grows stale. It's the same thing with Play-Doh, right? If you don't play with Play-Doh, it gets hard, okay? Every parent knows this because I've bought, I don't even know, thousands of cups of Play-Doh. I've had to have bought thousands. Half my salary probably goes to Play-Doh because they leave it out overnight one time and it's dead. You know, it's gone. It's, it, it gets hard. If you don't use it while it's out, it goes hard and you have to put it away. If you don't use it. This is the same thing. If, if, we're not, if we're not letting God use our life, you know, mold us, squeeze us, turn us, pull us apart, put us back together, you know, if we're not letting that process happen and engaging in that, uh, then we're just going to grow hard. We're going to be unusable to some degree because we get hard because we're not letting the Lord use us. We're not staying fresh 
So part of the intent of this series is to make sure that what's coming into your life through the investment of the gospel, through the investment of the church, through the investment of your brother and sister in Christ, through the investment of the word, is also coming out of your life. And we want to help not only encourage you in that, uh, but provide possibilities and, and actual rhythms and structures for you to do that as well. Uh, so that's what we're after today. Uh, so we're going to look at Exodus chapter 4. So go ahead and open your Bible to Exodus chapter 4. Let's go. All right. We're going to hear from the Word. It's going to be awesome. The Lord's going to speak to us. Uh, my goal this morning is a phrase we've also used before is not to give you self-confidence, but God-confidence. Okay? We always need to be making the transition from self-confidence to God-confidence. Self-esteem to God-esteem. The more confident you are in who God is, the more confidence you will live with in yourself. If you try to pursue self-confidence, it's going to crumble. It's not going to work. But if you pursue God confidence, you're going to grow, and you're going to be able to step into places you're normally afraid of. Not because you got stronger and better, but because you fixed your eyes on him, who's stronger and better, always. So I want to give you God confidence this morning. We're going to look at Moses for a minute. God gave Moses an assignment, and Moses had some problems with his assignment, okay? And this is true for all of us in many ways in life. Moses had some insecurities. Moses had some fears. He had some reasons why he couldn't possibly do the thing God has asked him to do. And that's how I want to end this series is to help you in that because as we've been talking about it, I know the Lord has been putting things on your heart. It might just be relationally. It might be evangelistically in your neighborhood. It might be, you know, to actually do an event or things like that, try to reach your neighborhood. It might be to just have that conversation, to handle that conflict, to restore things in your life. It might be to make sure you're being generous or whatever it might be. The Lord's asking you, prompting you. He's calling sin out, saying you need to repent and turn. He's, he's asking for obedience in certain areas of your life. I mean, this is true for all of us. If you're, ever, if you're reading the Bible and listening to the Lord, you're always going to be things. He's like, bleh, bleh, bleh. you know, he's always doing that. Uh, and so if you've gone this whole month, and you're like, well, the Lord hasn't really said anything yet. I, okay, you're just not listening. You're just not listening. You're not listening. That's impossible. All right? So if you're in the Word of God, this is going to happen. So the Lord's saying things you need to be doing, you need to be walking in, ways he wants to stretch you, things he's calling you into. Uh, and your initial response is, I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. Well, I want to help you this morning and to encourage you to overcome your insecurities. So Exodus chapter 4. Let's read verses 1 through 17. Stay with me. It's a little chunk here. Then Moses answered. So God had already given Moses the, the call to go back to Egypt and to set his people free. So that's a big one. A little big, that's a big responsibility, big assignment. So Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. For they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. Now, you remember last week, I told you about how I killed a snake, all right? So this is, I just want you to remember that, how, how manly I am. Okay, so he put out his hand, and he caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. And they may, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of the fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. He put his hand inside his cloak. When he took it out, behold, it was white. It was leprous. His hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. He put it back inside his cloak. When he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, that they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs, or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile, pour it on the dry ground. That water you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. 
Now that's the assignment. That's all the confidence God's giving him. I'm going to do these miracles. Verse 10, Moses, being a man like us, you know, says to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servants, but I am slow of speech and tongue. You know, you don't want to use me. That's what it's basically saying. Then the Lord rebukes him, you know. This is a weird form of encouragement, but it's how it was intended. Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute, deaf, or seeing, blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth, and I will teach you what you shall speak. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. How often have you said that? <laughs> not me, Lord. That's a great idea. Just not me. Not me. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. He said, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people and he shall be with your mouth. And, I, and you shall, he shall be your mouth and you shall be as God to him. Take your hand in this staff with which you shall do these signs. All right. So we're going to stop right there. Uh, I first want to encourage you, when you read about these great figures in the Bible, you need to remember they are just like you. They're just like you. They have the same fears that you do. They have the same insecurities that you do. They have the same reasons that you do, okay? It's all very normal, all right? So when you read these throughout the Bible, you should be so encouraged uh, that God uses people, and people are all just the same in many ways. Let me give you three primary objections that Moses had that dealt with his own personal insecurities and lack of desire and confidence. The three were this. He said, they won't receive it. That was his first objection. They won't receive it. Basically, it's not going to work. You know, God's, I'm sure God's just be thinking like, what are you hearing? If I said it's going to work, it's going to work. I'm pretty sure that's how this thing goes. All right, so they won't receive it. That's number one. His second objection is, well, I can't do it. So they won't receive it. I can't do it. His third one is, finally, I don't want to do it. You know, I don't want to do it. God's like, you can do it. He's like, well, I don't want to now. Okay, okay, sure. I got the skills, fine. I don't know, I don't want to do it. So those are the three things. And these are so true for all of us. They won't receive it. You know, it won't go well. It won't work, however you want to say that. The second one, well, I can't do it. I'm not able. I don't have the skills required, you know. The third one is, well, I just don't want to. I just don't want to. It's scary, God. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I'm scared. Okay, that was his third. That was his third one. So those are the three ones that Moses is dealing with. Those are three that many of us deal with. These three things might be things that are preventing you right this very moment from doing the thing that God has asked you to do. Uh, and I want to help you this morning and help myself, help all of us overcome these objections and these insecurities that we have with some encouragement from the Lord. The interesting thing at first is that God's primary answer for all of these objections is simply the statement, I will be with you. God doesn't spend a whole lot of time navigating the circumstances, clarifying the details, et cetera, et cetera. God simply says over and over again, well, I'm going to be with you. You think your mouth is a problem? Well, I'll be with your mouth, which is a funny thing to say. Well, that's what he meant. I'll be with you, okay? So this is God's primary encouragement to you always. And as we work through different aspects of the text, that is the main thing. And the more confident you are in God's presence with you, the more confident you will be in the mission, always. You need to cultivate some God confidence by always being with him and being assured of his presence with you. So God gives Moses a big assignment. He, says, I'm, he basically says, I'm not ready. You know, I'm not ready. 
Some of you may be feeling that way now. You feel insecure. Or how about this one? It's just not a good time. You know? Moses is like, you know, it's just not a good time. I'm out here shepherding the flock, you know. Egypt's all the way down there. <laughs> you know? It's not a good time. I, I'm not able to do it. Maybe another day. Maybe another day. Whatever the objection and the insecurity might be, I know some of you and all of us feel that way. I want you to know, like we said, you have a friend in Moses. But also, God does not use this opportunity, it's very important, to convince Moses that he has what it takes. He does not begin a self-esteem talk. He does not begin a motivational pep talk about who Moses is. He doesn't explain to Moses that he grew up as a Hebrew living in the palace that gives him a unique perspective to deal with both worlds. He doesn't walk through that he's, that he's a third culture kid, that he's got all these different aspects. He understands these different places. He doesn't use those things and say, okay, you're the man for the job, Moses, a Hebrew raised in the palace. I ain't got another one of those. You're the only one. And that would be a good reason, but he doesn't use that. He doesn't walk through Moses' strength. He doesn't walk through uh, how the years that Moses has spent as a shepherd have humbled him. He doesn't walk through Moses' experience in life. He doesn't give him any reasons other than, I will be with you. So as we said before, God's goal was not self-confidence, but God-confidence. So let's work through Moses' three objections. The first one is this. He says, they won't receive it. That's verse 1. But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. They won't listen to me. You know what I, I was really praying and thinking through this because how often is this our, I mean, this is the main reason some of us will not share the gospel sometimes. Just, well, they won't receive it, you know? They will reject it. What's the point? Why would I do this if they're not going to listen to me, you know? What am I going to do if they reject or don't listen to me? What's the point? They're not going to receive the work. Receive the gospel. Receive the love. Receive the effort. They're not going to receive it. They're not going to listen. It's not going to make sense. It's not going to be worth it. And the Lord says to him, he, call, he talks to him, and he clarifies, listen, I need you to go do this. And he's giving them multiple signs, but the point gets to be this. The point gets to be this. It's not about whether they receive it, but whether you'll release it. That's the point. You should write that down. God doesn't ask if they're ready to receive it, not concerned, but he's asking if you're ready to release it. And so often the barrier of they won't receive it, they won't receive it, keeps me from releasing it. When it's just the simple act of obedience to release it that God is asking. Let him deal with the receiving of it. As a matter of fact, you can't make them receive it anyways. You know, you're spiritually, the Bible teaches you are unable to put that gospel or the work or the love of God in their hearts and make them want it. You can't even do that ever. Even if someone said, I'm ready, I'm ready. The Holy Spirit has to do that. So your only singular job is to release what God is doing. What comes in must come out. It is to release it. God does not ask if they are ready to receive it, but just if you are ready to release it. And so often the barrier for you or the insecurity for you has been based on people's response, based on how people will interact with you, based on what people will think about you, based on whether it would be worth the work, based off whether it would be effective, you know? And the Lord's saying, that's all in my hands. The only thing I'm asking of you is that you would release what I've given you. So the Lord doesn't ask if they're ready to receive it, only if you're ready to release it. The readiness of the audience to whom the message goes has no relevance on the readiness of the one taking the message to them. 
We need to cultivate readiness. You know, they say if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready, right? So that's true about all the time in life. If I stay ready, if I cultivate readiness, always walking in the presence of God, being conscious of who he is, being, as we talk about, led by the Spirit, being aware of what God's doing around me, being sensitive to his voice, being in the word of God, growing in love for others, walking around aware that God might have an assignment for me today that I did not expect. If I stay ready, then the readiness of everyone else is up to God. So instead of worrying so much about others are ready to receive it, you need to be concerned about cultivating a heart that's ready to release it. That's the insecurity number one. The second objection is, well, I just can't do it. Okay? God's like, I'm going to handle that, and Moses has got a second one. Okay? He's got a backup plan. Okay? He's got three. He's, gonna, he's got cards to pull out of his pocket. The first trick didn't work. I have a second one. He says, I can't do it. I can't do it. Look what he says. I am not eloquent, so you're going to send me to be a messenger. Okay, great. I have a great thing against that, you know? I actually have a physical disability, okay? I stutter. I can't talk good. Okay, this is, this is great. He said, I have a stutter. I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. He's saying, you're going to ask me to speak, and I am the worst person you could have found to do that. So you should find someone else. I don't have that skill. I am not capable. As a matter of fact, it would make no sense to use me to do that. You should probably find another way that's more in line with things I'm good at. I'm not eloquent, and you're going to make me a speaker. I am not charismatic as a leader. You're going to make me the leader of all these people. Now, here's where this applies to us, because you need to think through the same thing in your You need to write this down and consider and fill out the blank. What is your I am not? God says, I need you to do this, and you say, I'm not what? What is it? Smart enough, persuasive enough, charismatic enough, stable enough, secure enough, wise enough, happy enough, ready enough, whatever it might be. What is your I am not? If it doesn't bubble to the surface right away, we need to work on some self-awareness, okay? What is it? Just be honest with yourself. What is the thing that keeps you saying, well, I just, I couldn't possibly do the thing that God, I can never do what, what the Lord would ask me to do in specific. These things actually hinder me. What is your insecurity? What is holding you back? The Lord says to Moses, I'm going to make you a messenger. And the, Moses says to the Lord, I'm not a good speaker. And God responds to him. He says, who has made your mouth? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth. Here's something you need to consider in your life that's very important. Where you say, I am not, God says, I am. Wherever you say, I am not, God says, I am. I am not smart enough, God says, I am. I am not wise enough, God says, I am. I am not strong enough, God says, I am. I am not fearless enough, God says, I am. I am not courageous enough, God says, I am. I am not secure enough, God says, I am. I am not confident enough, God says, I am. I am not able, God says, I am. If you base your obedience off of what you can do, you will never be obedient. It's the truth that gets played out over and over again and through the scriptures. God loves and, as a matter of fact, prefers to work through your weaknesses, not around them, so that he gets the glory for what happens. 
It is God's favorite thing to do, to work through the weakness, not through the strength, so that he gets the glory when something amazing happens. Why would God choose a man with a stutter to be the speaker of his people? So that when his message had power, God gets the glory. Why would God choose a person in your situation to do the thing he's asking you to do? He should ask someone else. It's so that he gets the glory. Your weakness, hear me, biblically, remember, I'm going to talk to people about reading the Bible, I'm like, it's just opposite day. If you just read the Bible all the time, everything just turns upside down all the time. You know, God just thinks the opposite of how you naturally think. And what God's going to say to you every day is that your weakness is actually your strength if you'll lean into it and let me work there. The thing you're walking away from, the thing you're hiding from, the thing you're not willing to do is actually the very thing you're strongest in. Because the, what does 2 Corinthians 12 say? When I am weak, finish it. He is strong. When you try to avoid your weakness, you are avoiding your strength. And this is just backwards of every leadership talk I've ever heard, you know, is to operate in your strengths and don't worry about your weaknesses. And obviously God gives you gifts and he wants you to use them and God gives you things you're good at and he wants you to use them. Praise God. This is all very important. But it is the nature of the Bible. I mean, we could just do messages upon messages of how God chooses and prefers. You know the reason he chose Israel is because they were small. That's what he says in Deuteronomy 7. I didn't choose you because you were great. You were small. You know, 1 Corinthians 1, God says, I don't, I don't I choose the noble things of the world. I don't choose the smart things of the world. I take the foolish things of the world so that we can despise the smart and noble things of the world. I flip everything upside down. I take the people you would think would never make a difference, and I give them the most difference making, you know? I take the people you marginalize, and I give them the most influence. I take the people who don't have the gifts the world loves, and I give them the most use in the world. I take the foolish things of the world, and I shame the wisdom of the world. This is how God works. This is kingdom living. You, as a Christian, if you're here today and you know Jesus, you need to stop living as if a citizen on earth. You need to live primarily as a citizen of the king. You are a kingdom of God person. You operate and live according to the principles of the kingdom of God which is the, not the same as the principles of the kingdom of the world. The kingdom of the world would say you need to utilize your strengths, lean into your strengths, and avoid your weaknesses. And the kingdom of God says step into that place of weakness so that God can get the glory. When you avoid your weaknesses out of fear, when you don't do something because of an insecurity, then you are stepping away from the very place God wants to use you the most. This is what the Lord is teaching Moses. Like, I don't like the way I look. Well, who made you? I don't like the way I speak. Well, who made your mouth? I don't like the way I think. Well, who made your brain? I don't like the way that I, who made it? This is what God's doing. It. You don't like your mouth? You don't like the way that you speak? You don't like how your tongue works? Well, who gave you that tongue? You don't think I was aware of that when I made you? You don't think I was aware that I would call you to be a speaker when I gave you a, a tongue that stutters? If I wanted you to have a tongue that spoke eloquently, I would have given you that in the first place. This is God's point. Your mouth is not an accident. You're not a, just a random creation. Atoms haven't just come together. You are designed by God. And obviously the world has fallen, and we have to deal with a lot of trouble in that. And there's a lot of brokenness with our bodies and everything. It's not ideal, obviously. It's not preferable. But God's just saying, listen, I am sovereign over all things. And I wanted you to have that kind of speaking so that I could use you to do this so that I could get the glory when it all got done. He had this all planned out. So he does with you. 
So being ready does not mean changing your I am not. It simply means trusting the great I am. This is what it looks like to be ready, to overcome your insecurities. It is not to change your I am not. It is not to get better or make progress, which is great and fine. Work on those things. Praise the Lord. But it means trusting the great I am. You know, the whole intention of God is that you would step into places you're afraid of. You would step into situations that you're uncomfortable of. You would step into places where you feel unable. That you would step into places where you feel weak. That you would step into places where you feel unsure. That you would step into places where you are uncertain. That you would step into places where you are uncomfortable. This is God's intention. This is how, this is the rhythm of the Christian life. And in those places, you get stretched. And as you're stretched, who you are intended to be is revealed. And God will use your weaknesses, I believe, throughout the scriptures more than he will even use your strength. So what is your I am not? Remember, Moses was a man just like you. And his readiness to do this great assignment was entirely dependent on God. Let me summarize the story of Moses. is that he, God took a stuttering old man with a rod in his hand to deliver a helpless group of people from the most powerful army in the world. Let me summarize that. God took a stuttering old man with just a rod in his hand to deliver a helpless group of people from the most powerful army in the world. That's the story, a summary of the life of Moses. So how much more true is it of you that God would take you even in, especially in the things about yourself that you don't like, in the areas of weakness that you think are preventing you from making a difference, and he would utilize those things to do what he has asked you to do. So we are a people of possibilities. I want you to remember and to continue to ask the question, what could God do through you? What could God do through you if you were willing to step into that place of weakness, if you were willing to deal and to step into the place of insecurity, if you were willing to just trust God? What would he do? So that's his second one. The final objection so he says, I, 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 I don't want to do it. No, the final one is, I don't want to do it. She says, I can't do it. Now he says, I don't want to. Okay, God's like, yes, you can. And he's like, okay, I got one more. Let me pull out his final card. I just don't want to, you know? No, you know? It's like when you tell a kid to clean their room, you know? No, I just, I just don't want to do it. You know, I just don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't feel like it. It's no fun. It sounds hard. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. All right, can I just do something else? Uh, you know, like anything else? I don't want to do it. This is Moses' final thing. And how is that true of us? You say, I'm just going to get past all the facade, all the excuses. I'm going to get right to the heart. I'm going to be honest right now. I just don't want to do it. You know, I'm just gonna, I just don't want to do it. I, you know, I actually don't even care about my mouth. It was just a really good excuse. I thought it would work. Didn't work. So I just got to be honest now. I just don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't care enough about them. I don't trust you enough. Uh, this seems like I could just chill and I could live with my sheep and my family, you know, and just ride this life out. And you're asking me to go risk my life. That doesn't sound like a good way to close out my life. You know, I, I just don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. How often does this happen with us? The Lord's like, I, I need you to resolve that conflict, you know, for the glory of God, that you would be humble. And you're like, I don't know. Just be honest, I don't want to do that. I don't like that person. So why would I resolve conflict with them? I'm okay being mad at them, you know. I will keep the conflict because I don't mind it. You know, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. That's awkward. I don't want to do that. Or the Lord's like, I need you to go and I need you to share the gospel with this coworker, this neighbor, this friend. I want you to actually live like a missionary in your neighborhood. Have you met anybody there? Like, do you know? They're like, 
okay, well, I, just, I get home from work really late, you know, you come and say, I got all this, you know, go through all those, so the Lord's like, well, not that, not that, not that, and you're like, okay, Lord, I just don't want to do it, honestly, I just don't, I don't even want to do it, I don't care enough, I don't, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it. This is what the Lord is, is saying so often, I mean, this is what we say often so often to the Lord, if we're honest with ourselves, so Moses does the same thing. Now, God doesn't respond to Moses, once again, like we would think. Moses says, just send someone else, not me. And then God said, this is so beautiful, God does not respond by sending someone else, but by giving someone else to go with him. God's mode of increasing the desire and answering the I don't want to do it question is to put Moses in the context of community. That's God's answer. He sends Aaron. He says, I won't send someone else, but I will send someone else to go with you. I will add someone else with you, but I won't send someone else. God's answer to Moses' insecurity and his final thing, which is a real heart issue, I just don't want to do it, is not to say, well, you should want to do it, and this is what people should do, and I'm God, and you should do it anyways, and blah, 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 you know. He doesn't do that, like what we think. He actually kindly says, okay, you know what? I won't send someone else, but I'll send Aaron with you. I'll give you somebody to fight with give you somebody to talk to. I'll give you somebody that can talk for you. I will give you a partner in this. You do not have to do it alone. And this is the truth for many of us, and this is the reason why living for Jesus can be so difficult. It's because we try to do it without community. The reason why it's hard for you to obey and to take risks is because you're trying to do it alone. You say, I don't want to do it. And the Lord says, I don't want to send someone else, but I will send someone else with you. And the Lord has given you a church body here and a group of people who want to do those kind of things with you. This is why we have lighthouses and groups that meet during the week. This is why we cultivate community within young adults and youth in every aspect possible. This is why we like to do things together. We need each other. God's answer to Moses, his final answer was, listen, I'll send a friend, actually a brother, and he'll go with you. So here's the final piece of advice for us. Instead of quitting the mission, you need to quit doing it alone. You want to quit, it's because you're doing it solo. Instead of quitting the mission, instead of quitting the assignment, you need to quit doing it alone. Instead of asking God to send someone else instead, ask God to send someone else with. You said God send someone else. You need to change that to God send someone with me. Give me a partner in crime, you know. Give me a group. Give me somebody to go do this with. You know, Jesus, obviously, he's God. He knows what he's doing. Whenever he sent people out in the New Testament, as everybody know, he sent them what? Two by two. If he wanted to reach more areas, he could have done one-on-one. He could have, you could have, if you had 72 disciples, like in Luke 10, he could have sent them to 72 places. We think, well, that would be more effective. God says, no, 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 no. I'd rather go to 36 places in twos than 72 places in ones. Okay. This is how the Lord works. You need community. But here's the push in the rub, okay? You don't just need community so you can be happy and have a comfortable thing, you know, have friends, so you're not lonely. Those are good reasons. But you really need community so that you can advance the mission of God with courage. And the reason why, hear me, it's a little, okay, receive this as a little pastoral push on you. The reason why you're not concerned about community is because you're not concerned about obedience. The reason why you avoid groups during the week is because you're not concerned about obedience during the week. The reason why you avoid being known is because you're not concerned about making Jesus known. You avoid community because you don't think you need it, and you don't think you need it because you're not trying anything for God. 
and I love you, and I want what's best for you. And so that's my little encouragement to you, to realize what might be actually going on in your heart, and to step into the places that God is calling you. So the Lord gave Moses an assignment, and he's given us an assignment as well. This is what we close with. Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now go, just like he said to Moses, go and set people free. This is what we're doing as Christians. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God has given you an assignment, and it is to make disciples of all nations and teach people about the gospel in every possible scenario, in every possible way, in every possible place. And his promise is that he will be with you even to the end of the age. So why not? Why not you? Why not now? Why not that thing? Let me give you this picture, okay, to help you think about this. So yesterday, or no, Friday, I took my family out to like a, a bay area. It was a friend of ours who has a house on there, and he has jet skis and stuff. And so um, I have, you know, six kids. So we're getting on jet skis. I'm riding with the little kids. It's really cute, you know. You're going like 30, 40 miles an hour. I've only used a jet ski. It's only my second or third time to ride a jet ski, okay? So I don't really know. I'm feeling it out, you know, like what can this thing really do? You don't want to take a lot of risk when your five-year-old's on the jet ski, right? So you're trying to have fun, but you're like, I don't know. I don't know. If I throw him off, you know, he'll be fine. He has a life rift on, but I don't want to risk it. So... Uh, you know, I'm driving real slow. Eventually, though, um, we get on, and uh, my oldest daughter, 13, she's 13 years old, she gets on with me, okay? And so she, she can survive. She gets thrown off. So we think, okay, hey, let's, let's, let's try to get a little bit more, you know? And so you're feeling it out, and there's a really flat part you can, like, you can catch max speed. So you can hit, on the jet ski, the max was 70. So you could hit 70 in this flat area going. But then as soon as you open up into the bay, it hits, like, some waves. It gets choppy. Uh, and so I wasn't quite sure what you could do in the choppiness, you know, I was trying to figure it out, what, what would happen, and I would mess around with it, and I would go back, you know, and you would try something, you'd be like, oh, okay, you can handle that, all right, good, okay, 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 good, I can do it a little bit harder, and then you would try that. Uh, eventually, I was trying to mess around, she was like, let me drive. I was like, oh, Lord, I don't know, you know, what do I do right now in this moment? You know, I want to be a fun dad, I also want to live, so I'm not sure which one's the better option you know what, I'm going to choose fun. If I die, I die, you know, so I'm going to go out swinging, baby, you know, so I let her drive, she gets in front, and I'm just literally praying, oh, Lord, 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 what's this going to be like? Hey, you know, you, it's so funny to have all the control and to take risk and then have no control and to take risk. You're like, this is different, this is different, this is different. So she goes, and as soon as she gets on that thing, she hits 70. She's just flying, she's, she just hits, she just pulls the throttle, just, you know, you know, we take off, which is really fine in the, in the, and the, the flat part, you get going, you feel like, okay, if, this, if anything happens, I'm flying at least 30 feet. But, but it's fine. It's flat. But you're supposed to slow down when you start to hit the waves. It's choppy. It gets a little different. Uh, you know, and so she's driving, and I'm just expecting her. Uh, and then she just keeps going. I'm like, slow down. You know, she's like, what? I'm like, slow down. It's getting choppy. She's like, what? You know, and then we, then we hit. We hit these, like, choppy waves. Going through, you know, we're like, fine. I like my, I go up like this, you know, I'm, I'm like halfway up in the air. My body is like this. I'm hanging on to the to the to the, to the, the thing, the, the wheel. Like on behind her. I'm like grabbing it. It's saving my life, you know. And eventually we land, and I'm like, what in the world? I told you so now, you know, I don't know what you're doing. She's like, that was so much fun. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> to be young again, right? You just don't care. Invincible. Every teenager is invincible. Invincible. So she's like, ah, that's fun. But then after we realized it could do that, and we didn't die. Okay, okay, 
If it can handle that, let's really start to do some stuff, you know? So then we get in there, and then you're just working it, and you're hitting all the waves, and you're like, oh, this thing, can you start swipping it around, you know? And you're like, okay, this thing can really, you're just bashing it and stuff, you're jumping up and down, you know, you're getting, you're going for it. Once you realize what it can handle, okay? Uh, but this is the same as true for our spiritual life, is that some of us haven't tested Jesus enough to realize what he can handle. And so you're afraid of the choppiness because you haven't hit it going 70 miles an hour. But when you do and you realize, I'm still alive, I'm still good, God is still with me, then you become much more confident. The more I used the jet ski and the more I tested the trouble and the waters, the more confident I got in them. And the same is true for us. The reason why you have very little confidence about what God can do is because you haven't tested him yet. You haven't tried it yet. You haven't hit the water going 70 miles an hour yet. You haven't had that awkward conversation yet. You haven't tried that thing yet. And that's why you don't have any confidence. Just watch me. Trust me. If you do, and if you go into those waters, and you go faster than you would like to go, and you take a risk, you're going to realize that Jesus can handle way more than you thought. And because Jesus can do it, you can do it too. And because the stability of your life is about what you're riding on. It's the jet ski, not you yourself. Then you can handle any choppy waters that come in front of you. And so this is my final encouragement for a stretch, is that you would leave from here, and that you would test the power of Jesus, that you would leave from here and that you would test the love of Jesus, that you would leave from here and that you would test the authority of Jesus, that you would leave from here and you test the, the strength of Jesus, that you would leave from here and you test the joy of Jesus, that you would leave from here and you test him. You say, prove it. Show me how strong you are. Show me how faithful you are. Show me that I can trust you. Would you leave from here and test him and see what he's got, see what he's able to do, and I think you'll be surprised at how much Jesus can handle. And you're going to spend the rest of your life testing the waters unafraid because he is with you. Let's pray and let's respond to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we love you. Oh, Lord, would you give us the courage now, Lord, to put what you've said to the test, to put your promises to the test so that you can show us. I pray, Lord, that you would fill us now with God confidence, with Holy Spirit power. I pray, Lord, that you would prompt us, that you would put those places, those peoples, those callings, those assignments, that they would be so deep within us, they would burden us. Lord, that you would be knocking on the door of our heart right now, Lord, letting us know, prompting us, leading us. And I pray that you would build us, that we would be a people who say yes, that we would be people of courage, that we would be people who believe the Bible, that we would be people who do what you say, God. Make us a people of courage. Make us a people of love, Lord, who are willing to lay down our lives. I pray that you would stretch us, Lord, and that we would become everything that you have intended us to be. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the good news that we get to enjoy and share. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand? Let's respond to the Lord.